Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Tough Talk Christian Radio. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help take you to the next step in your relationship with Christ. Tough Talk Christian Radio is brought to you by the Tough Talk Radio Network. Now here's your host, Tony Gambone. All right, welcome to the show. My name is Tony Gambone. Of course, it is Wednesday, it's the middle of the week. hope everyone out there is having a great middle of the week. Uh, we could do some housekeeping and stuff here on the show before we get started. First of all, I just want to uh, thank my guest in advance for taking the time out today to share with us uh, what is happening in her world and what she has been helping others gain opportunity with as well. So we're real excited about our, our guest today, Reverend Dr. Nicole B. Simpson, uh, and we'll get to her in a little bit here. Uh, let's get a little housekeeping out of the way. I wanted to talk about if you want to get in touch with us on the show, uh, you can dial in and listen 347-989-1363. Press 1 if you want to uh, connect with uh, me and ask questions to our guests. Also, you can find us on Facebook or toughtalkradionetwork.com. Uh, we're always looking for guests, uh, for someone to come along and share what the Lord has been doing in their world and uh, tell them their testimony so we can show others in our world how there is a way to get through the everyday, well, for lack of a better word, crap that they have to swim through. So anyway, uh, let us know if there's anything we can do to help you promote your book, your speaking opportunities, or your ministry. So I, I just want to touch on something. As you know, uh, we've been through the uh, COVID-19, still going through it. Uh, there's a... Uh, a pandemic going on, folks. There's there's a, a virus going around, and some people are taking it lightly. Some people aren't. Uh, on top of that, uh, there's uh, some news about the uh, the riots, uh, about the officers of the law, uh, the way they're treating the black community, the way they've been treating it for years and years. Uh, and, and as I look at the different things on social media. Uh, you know, we all have opinions, right? And uh, I, I decided to take a look inside myself and, and some of the things that I might say or think and think it's okay because that's what I've thought all my life. And I've come to learn that uh, some of the things that I thought meant no harm were uh, actually disrespectful. Um, now, I come from the Northeast and uh, living here in the South, uh, it's a little bit different down here than where I grew up. Um, but still... Uh, disrespect is disrespect. It's felt the same way no matter what. And so some of the stuff I watch on social media with people that I'm friends with, uh, black and white, uh, and, you know, or red and uh, blue, uh, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, the hatred that is spewing out and the ongoing conversation on, on social media that people just, wow, you just read it and go, wow. Now, I have committed to not sharing any post that I read, whether I agree with it or disagree with it. I just I just read it, and I don't share it, because I think one of the things we have to do first is to start to understand that as white people, we don't understand. And as black people, uh, you're being disrespected, but... Where do we draw the line? Where do we catch the middle of that? How does that even work? I don't know myself. Uh, and I hope that uh, through my interviews in the next six months' time, I can learn more. And by having conversations with friends of mine from that community, I can learn more. Now, I grew up in the Philadelphia area, so, you know, um, it wasn't, it's not like I wasn't around those communities. But I never had to live there. So I don't know what the what the opportunity was or wasn't. My skin is a different color, so I don't know what that means. Um, 
I have a, a grandson that's that's a mixed baby, and you know I fear for him unless things change. And the one thing I just want to make sure that that I get out there, okay, is I think that we're all supposed to love. At least that's what the Bible says. We're all supposed to love. And I read something where someone said, uh, "You, how do you love someone you don't know?" And uh, it's pretty much the same way you people hate people they don't know. So you, you need to find that middle. You need to take a look in the mirror. You need to question yourself. You need to have conversations with your children, with your family, and really lay it out on the table and understand where you might be wrong and how you can make a change. And then you need to be patient for the other side to catch up to where you've admitted to and what you've been accountable for. So I hope you'll take a chance to do that. And I know that it's going to take, um, well, maybe more years than I'll be alive. But I hope that it starts to make a change. I hope that the things that have taken place will make the opportunity more available. Most important, I hope that you'll look inside yourself and have that conversation with the Lord to be better. Be better at who you are, who you're supposed to be, and what God's mission for you is. And I know, I know that part of that mission is to love, love the neighbor. Okay, it didn't say about anything skin color or male or female or, you know, black or white, green or red, it doesn't matter. You're supposed to love them. And I, I'll be the first one to admit, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. But nothing gained good was done easily. And, and it might not be the correct English to say it, but that's how I feel. So anyway, my name is Tony Gambone. This is Tough Talk Christian Radio. We're going to have a show today titled Dare to Dream with Reverend Dr. Nicole B. Simpson. Uh, She's been a practitioner with over 29 years of experience in the securities industry. So she's a financial planner. um, And she, uh, I really want to learn more about She was working in the World Trade Center on the 73rd floor during the time when it was attacked. So we've got a great show lined up today for you. I want to take a real short break so we can get uh, Reverend Dr. Nicole B. Simpson set up here for her interview. So, folks, make sure 347-989-1363 if you want to call in and ask a question or just listen. Facebook, Tony Gambone or Tough Talk Radio Network. Hook up with us there. If you have questions, you can email me at info at toughtalkradionetwork.com, and I hope you stay tuned. And while we take this short break, start taking a deep look inside and see where you might be able to make some changes in your world to make sure that you gain a better access of love. We'll be right back. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. All right. Welcome back to Tough Talk Christian Radio. My name is Tony Gambone. If you missed the first part of the show, well, shame on you, but you're going to catch the best part of the show right now. You can always go back and listen to the recordings as well. My my guest today is Reverend Dr. Nicole B. Simpson. She is a CFP practitioner with uh, over 29 years of experience in the securities industry, as I mentioned. And on September 11, 2001, her life was drastically altered as a financial planner working at Two World Trade Center on uh, the 73rd floor. So without going too much into this, we're going to have her tell her story as well. I want to take this minute here and welcome uh, Reverend Dr. Nicole B. Simpson to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Tony, for having me on. I love, first of all, the title of your show, Tough Talk, Tough Talk Christian Radio, because there's oftentimes where we have to have these conversations that may be tough sometimes, but the body of Christ, if we are rooted and grounded in our love, not only of Christ, but as of our neighbors, then we can have these conversations so that all of us uh, can uh, not only dare to dream, but pursue destiny the way that God intended for us. So I'm excited to be here with you today. 
I am super excited to have you, and I'm so thankful you've taken time out of your busy day uh, to be on the show with us. So I want to uh, let people know where you're calling in from and where you're from originally. Well, I'm a New Jersey native, and so I, I hail out of um, Piscataway, New Jersey, um, as a small business owner. That's where my practice is. Um, I grew up um, an Army girl or the daughter of an Army brat, but um, so we travel early in our um, lives. But I um, was born on Fort Dix base, believe it or not, and, uh, you know, my, my parents ultimately still settled in the state of New Jersey, and I still reside here today. Mm. Well, uh, I'm excited about a few things. First of all, you've uh, come back out with a new revised and updated version of your book, Dare to Dream, and we're going to get to that. But I want to go back to 2001, okay, when uh, uh, when the World Trade Center was attacked, and for a couple of reasons. Um, when that happened, everybody seemed to grab a hold of each other's hands across the country, and they mm-hmm. were they were they were living in a different emotional mindset much kind of like today. And it's unbelievable that those types of things in our life have to take place or that God's got to make us stand still for a second somehow, some way. But tell me, tell us about that. When Were you at the Trade Center when it was attacked or were you just working it there? Uh, were you not in the office? Tell us about that. So um, if, if you would allow me just to go back just a little bit prior to September 11, 2001, because um, one of the things that um, I had been good at just growing up um, was in math. And although I thought my life was going to take a different course, um, it was math that saved my life um, and economics overall. I had in the fourth grade um, had a field trip down to the New York Stock Exchange, and it just stuck with me. And um, I got pregnant on graduation night and blew a four-year scholarship to Seton Hall University. But that all opened up the doorway for me to enter into this school that had to deal with finances, and that's how um, I began um, to work in the securities industry. I had a most amazing mentor who said once I got my foot in the door uh, to study for your Series 7, 63, 65. And so I began to pursue this career in the securities industries and had built up, uh, you know, uh, this this uh, very nice practice in a team, and we had transitioned from uh, one company to the very prestigious Morgan Stanley about a year prior to September 11, 2001. And so I was in the office because transition of any book of practice or business uh, takes a lot of time. And so we were in a meeting. It was my assistant, my intern, and myself because there were changes going on within the team dynamics on that morning. And Tony, I don't know if you recall, but it was it was primary election day on September 11th. It was the first day of school for uh, students in the state of New Jersey. So primary election day in New York. It was the first day of school for um, students in New Jersey, and um, it was the most beautiful day outside. It was absolutely uh, divine, sun shining, very bright, and. Um, while I'm in my office early that morning because I tend to work in my industry, you work 70, 80 hours uh, just to be, you know, successful uh, at that time or so I thought. Um, so I was there uh, engaging in conversation with uh, my assistant and my intern, and then Tower 1 was hit. And when Tower 1 was hit, as I was in Tower 2, the building shook back and forth, swayed just a little bit, and the lights flickered off and on. And I remember saying to my assistants, because they were concerned about, you know, what it is that we were going to do, and I'm like, no, we're going to work. But um, since this is Christian talk radio, uh, I walked over to the window, and it was the Spirit of the Lord that told me to leave the building. And um, I went back to my assistants and said, let's go. And so I'm on the 73rd floor, and um, I say to the receptionist on my way walking out the door, she was a woman of faith as well, I said, the Lord told me to leave. And so we began walking down from the 73rd floor. And while we were walking down, they kept saying, Tower 2 is secure, Tower 2 is secure. You don't have to evacuate the building, Tower 2 is secure. And so the 44th floor, for anyone that knows anything about the World Trade Center, the 44th floor was considered what we call common walkway area. And that means you have the ability to go upstairs or downstairs because um, high-risers have these, uh, you know, floors in which they stop at incrementally so that one doesn't 
uh, have to go um, through all of the flights. The building had, I believe, 102 flights over, um, of 102 stories overall. So I get to the 44th floor, and I get on the elevator, and the Spirit of the Lord tells me to stay. So before the elevator doors close, I get off of the elevator, scurry my assistants off. So now it's the receptionist, my assistant, my intern, and me. It's the four of us. The elevator doors close. Elevator starts to go up. About 30 seconds later, second airplane hits Tower 2. And the first tower, it cut at an angle. The second tower, it was tilted and further down, went through the 73rd floor. The elevators came crashing down, Tony, and as they came crashing down, the fire began to explode out of the elevator doors. And when the fire exploded out of the elevator doors, there were people alongside of me that were literally burnt alive. But the door that I'm standing in front of did not open. So I'm sitting there and I'm praying and I'm watching all of this tragedy around me and the Spirit of the Lord tells me to go again. And so... We're never really observant of our areas, and I I feel like God had ushered us to a walkway that uh, was not full of anxiety or chaos. And so as I began to walk down from the 44th floor, it was almost as if there was order and you did not know what had transpired. Had I not been there myself, had I not seen the individuals being burnt alongside me, I do not know where it is that I would be. It wasn't until we got downstairs that we were, uh, you know, uh, not even downstairs, but when we got closer probably to the sixth floor, we began to smell the smoke. When we got a little further, you began to see the water and things of that nature, uh, knowing what had transpired. And um, needless to say that uh, I am here with you today. Uh, the Lord ushered me all of the way out of the building, not in the way that I thought, because once you got to the ground level, as much as we saw uh, the ability to leave out of the regular walkway, if you observed just for a moment, you would see people who thought they probably had a better opportunity in jumping versus uh, staying and being burnt alive. And so we wound up having to go further into the building down um, in the lower level where the uh, trains and there was um, plenty of stores down in the World Trade Center. And I came up out of five World Trade Center uh, where the um, Krispy Kreme and the bookstore were. And I remember getting outside and the Lord saying, don't look back lest you should surely die. And so I get to that place where finally I feel the release and the ability to turn around, and I see an airplane hanging out of the building that I had literally just come out of, and lives would forever be altered on that day, but I'm standing on the outside. And so the Lord guided me every step of the way because just as we were standing there and as we were looking, the Lord tells me to to walk a pathway. And so I began to walk a pathway, and at this point I'm trying to think, What's going on? You know, how do we, you know, how do we get out of here? I'm responsible for my in, my intern and my assistant because I'm the boss. And so my partner lived in um, Battery Park City, which is a wealthy community. And so I make my way over as we're walking toward Battery Park City. I recognize after time and upon reflection that. The reason why God had me to leave the immediate area is because at 9.03 a.m., you know, the uh, tower after it was hit, the next time, about 10, I believe it was about 10 o'clock, Tower 2 fell, and it just encompassed everyone with dust and smoke and debris, and it literally turned midnight in the middle of the day. And... um, He saved me. He spared my life for a reason, and uh, I I know that he was watching over me the entire time, and perhaps for such a time as this. But that is what my 9-11 experience um, was literally on that day. I, I can't even begin to imagine. I remember watching it on TV thinking, oh, my 
God, what happened? And and I uh, I remember all the things that took place around it. And and what I what really comes to mind, Doctor Simpson, is that what is taking place today, and what took place that day, were for two different reasons. Mm-hmm. But what it seems to have done is it's allowed a lot of people to grab a hole and hold hands and and feel strongly about something going on in our country. And that's we lack that so much. And I just think that I think God has a really funny sense of humor of the things he lets happen for us to get down the trail far enough and look back and go, oh, I get it. But the only problem is as Americans, we just have short-term memory. We just forget real fast, you know, and we get busy again. And, and I hope that things make a difference. There, there was things that I remember took place, like uh, there's a meetup, it's called meetup.com, was, was invented or created for people to connect with each other across the world because everybody was in such a warm spirit, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I'm wondering... As time goes on, what we'll be able to see that was created. Hopefully, it's success in our community. Hopefully, it's success on both sides because we we have the black community, we have the the blue officers, uh, you know, law, right? And we need both, but we right. need to figure right. out how to get it to work. And so, uh, I I, I want to touch on that just for a, a, a short because our time goes quick, and I want to talk about your book and how people to get in touch with you and all those different things. But what, do you see a comparison there? I mean, not of the I'm glad you level. asked. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, let, let me, I, I, I do have a comparative, and I think that there is a correlation because when you look at what happened on um, 9-11 and the camaraderie and the connectedness that we had um, as, um, as Americans on a whole, everyone felt the pain of 9-11, and we saw the sacrifice of our first responders and very grateful because lives were saved on that day. And so uh, you saw that and you saw the entire country come together regardless of uh, political ideology or anything of that nature. And um, the church, uh, you know, began to expand and people really felt the faith. And I'm grateful for for that. And, um, you know, somewhere along the line, um, you know, you you alluded to the fact that we oftentimes have short memories. And so um, the feeling of connectedness that we had September 11th, you know, um, it began to dissipate as we began to uh, go into our, uh, you know, in our individual worlds once again. And so uh, the turn of this decade created um, a sense of unease. And so when we look at what God does and how he moves, I I can recall in um, 2000 to 2002, we were in the midst of a recession and then we had that same recession. Well, on to a worse degree, 2008 to 2009, and so change had taken place. And so this is, I think, when uh, things began to deteriorate somewhat. We um, elected the first African-American president of the United States, and, uh, you know, the challenges as a result of that began to emerge ever so slowly, starting from 2008, but I think it was further exacerbated in 2010, and so we have been really uh, not fully grasping uh, the challenges that were still, uh, I, I believe, the sin of America. And so we found ourselves where in the beginning of or the turn of this decade, uh, the Lord uh, does not create these pandemic moments, but he will use the era of man to teach us all an invaluable lesson. And so COVID-19 having been um, introduced was the first pandemic. It was a health pandemic, and it showed the disparity between um, minorities and um, white America. And then as a result of not appropriately handling COVID-19, we found ourselves dealing with a financial pandemic. So those individuals who could not get justly $15 an hour became our lifeline to exist overall. And so here's the financial 
disparity that has never really been addressed with um, addressed. So we've got cultural, uh, we, I'm sorry, we have health, and then we have this financial pandemic with food shortages all around. And you're out of Houston. It was just like lines going around that did not have any color attached to it. People literally that were living from paycheck to paycheck found themselves in the midst of significant food shortages. But while we're all sat down in this entire world where the Lord has said, you know, told all of us that we needed further reflections, churches, communities of faith, everyone having to sit and reflect, black people were still dying. They were still dying in their bedrooms. They were still dying jogging. They were still dying, you know, um, at the hands of police officers in a disparate proportion. And so now you have the racial tensions not recognizing that uh, the value of the black body has not been uh, fully appreciated in this beautiful United States of America. And so we're not dealing with just any one issue. We are dealing with three in one. And so I think for the first time, because of, uh, you know, George Floyd's death, the first time society at large is hearing because you were able to see a man's life seeping in front of your eyes because a police officer for eight minutes and 46 seconds, and it was his demeanor. So I think the relationship that we might have had with our first responders in 2001 and the reality of what our relationship is with um, the police officers, culturally speaking, um, in 2020, you could see the difference. And so um, that is where we are, having to address and or deal with uh, some things that have gone unresolved for far too long and now uh, with all of these issues coming up I believe God is saying to uh, America um, I have created all of you in my image and in my likeness and that we you as society at large you're going to deal with this now and so that's where we are today. I am in agreement. I have. I came from a military family. Um, some of my closest friends are individuals of the law, um, you know, in law enforcement or what have you. Uh, and so I, I don't think it's, you know, about police officers per se. I just think that what has to become a real conversation in society at large is that African Americans have not been treated equitably uh, you know, since the founding of America, and it is time for us to acknowledge that and see how we can make amends for it overall. And so I, I, I don't believe that, um, I believe this is an awakening, an reckoning, and that these somber conversations must happen because um, if you don't know to do better, you can't do better. And I think God is forcing us um, from all different varied perspectives to address this head on. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I, I, um, I just want to flip the coin for a second. Okay. Cause I know a lot of people that listen to this might not agree with, with some of the stuff you said. And, and I'm just going to speak as a 64 year old white male. Okay. And, and so I was, uh, you know, I have a remodeling company and I was out on an estimate the other day and I was speaking to a homeowner and, you know, it's, I always think it's funny how God leads us in the conversations we don't even think we're going to have because why would I even be thinking I was talking about what I'm going to be telling you when I'm going to look at a, at a room addition on a house. But we started talking about the statues that they're, that they're tearing down and all the create stuff on the news and everything about the statues and people are complaining that they're statues. And, you know, and I made a statement. I said, you know, it is kind of part of history. And the lady said to me, in, Nazi, in Germany, they have no statues of Hitler, but they do right. teach about the Holocaust in school. And when a child sees McDonald's, the first thing they remember is the arches. So it's really important to remove the statues to a different location, a museum or somewhere like that, but not have them displayed like that because of what children could see. That was an aha moment for me. And, and I think that if a lot of us would just stop and listen into in the conversation instead of creating distractions so that you don't have to admit that you have any wrong feeling 
Uh, I think it could get easier. But there's just little things like that that really just seem to stick out to me. This isn't complicated. It just needs to be done, and everybody needs to stop fighting. I mean, our world is becoming, uh, you know, it's always been this black and white thing for for years and years and years. Now it's becoming that with a lot, like with politics, Republican, Democrat, everybody is spitting hatred. And the last thing I'm going to say about this is we complain about the media. They cause all these problems. But thank God that we had the media showing this because when you see that police officer's knee on that neck and you look at that police officer, he's not smiling, but he doesn't look upset. So, you know, uh, hopefully those types of images will make people just stop. And listen, folks, you don't have to admit it to your friends right away. Admit it to yourself first and become better. Okay, one right. one step at a time. It's not going to happen overnight. We're not going to wake up tomorrow and, and everything's going to be just okay. It's going to be jacked up for a while. Yeah. We'll get better with it. So, and I, so I appreciate I will, you speaking on that. Not a problem. I will say one thing relative to the statues. I think it's important. Um, the statues that are being honored in um, the Confederate flag and things of that nature. Um, fall on the sides of the Civil War. And I think this is a part of history that we're not um, the best at teaching in schools. Um, but they lost. Who glorifies losers in that regard? Right. And so we're, we're talking about people that have been deemed traitors and committed treason from a from a educational perspective. And so they're being glamorized and they have, they have been a mark of history for um, something that they lost in the outcome. And so that's where I think oftentimes there's a disconnect as to why these things may or may not be so offensive. But I do believe, because I remain hopeful and optimistic in everything, I do believe that when we learn proper history of what really happened and our educational system has veered away from the truth of America's history, when we learn it, I think all of us experience an aha moment, you know, where we're able to uh, go forth. And then if better informed, we go and we operate differently with more empathy and compassion then um, things will tend to get better. And I am hopeful that that's what will happen because that's the reason why I revisited Dare to Dream. One thing that I do know unequivocally is that when we know who it is that we are in God, regardless of our cultural beliefs in God and in rooted and grounded in love, we're still going to be our brother and our sister's keeper. And we have a responsibility to love one another and, um, you know, love our neighbors as ourselves. And if we see inherently that we think that we're better than or that we're different or that we don't have a love for our neighbor solely based off of the color of skin, then where is God in that conversation? Because that's not the God that you serve, Tony, and that's not the God that I serve. And so when we can live according to the word of God and operate the principles according to the principles of God, I think we begin to think beyond ourselves and even our own worldview, and we begin to see that God has a purpose and a plan for us, you know, and it is to contribute to society at large, not certain sects of society, but society at large as a collective. And that's one of the reasons why um, I think God had me to revisit Dare to Dream, because when I wrote it 10 years ago, it was aspirational in nature, because I had dealt with so much trauma. I had dealt with so many, um, you know, uh, uh, negative and bad things in my life, in my childhood overall, and 9-11 brought that to the surface for me of areas that I had not dealt with since I was a child and how important it was to do what you announced in the very beginning, that self-reflective work to say, okay, wait a minute, let me see if I can look at this from a different lens. And so I share this with your audience, Tony. One of the things that um, when I wrote it the first time, it was aspirational. When I came into um, 2010, 
I didn't have any degrees. I graduated from All Roberts University in 2013, New Brunswick Theological Seminary in 2016, Boston University in 2019. So God has allowed me to do amazing things in 10 years, to go from having no degrees to becoming Dr. Nicole B. Simpson in the pursuit of what it is that he has commissioned for me to do. And that's what he has for all of us. Jeremiah tells us that, 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts and the plans that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to provide you with a future and a hope. And my hope in America is that this, what we're going through now, although painful, although chaotic, although distressful, although wearying upon our hearts, that when we go through this, if we do it consistent with the word of God, as painful as it may be now, the hope of tomorrow, that future that God promised us, is ours for the asking, but it's just requiring collective work. And I believe we are going to get there. Mm. I sure hope so. From your lips to God's ear, from your yeah, from your your lips to God's ears, I hope that takes place in the worst way. Okay, let's get to the book Dare to Dream. So it's one of the things that I think is awesome is that when people put something in a book that that will tell their story. God forbid the day they're not here any longer. It's, it's a leave behind so that people after you can see, know more about you. I, I always say that our family tells our stories, but they never tell the story the same way as if it was written by the person living the story. So what made you decide to write Dare to Dream? Well, um, I was in a place in 2007. I was really depressed. After 9-11, um, you know, life was extraordinarily hard for me, and I was trying to make the adjustments in my life. And then, as you said it earlier, God has such a sense of humor sometimes. So on the backdrop of everything that I was going through, he called me to minister. And I'm like, really? you calling me to preach, God? Like in the midst of my own life being just you know, <laughs> full of despair. Um, but but he did. And, um, you know, I would minister and I would preach and I would teach and I was trying to, you know, maintain my business and the practice and I was just struggling. Um, I had not had financial challenges after I became, you know, independent and on my own. I was just really kind of getting my life together. And then 9-11 happened and just caused me, uh, you know, a great level of regression. And so um, one thing that I've known my whole life is reading, uh, reading the Word of God. I have been um, in relationship with God since I was seven years old. I had gotten the gift of the Bible, uh, you know, and I grew up in a traumatic um, household of uh, sexual trauma and uh, physical trauma, and so it's an abusive environment. But I kept reading the red words in the Bible, and that's what guided my entire life, uh, which is how I was able to hear God's voice in the first place. So fast forward to 2007, I'm leading in corporate prayer, which is something that I had picked up in doing because I wasn't able to sleep at night because of the the um, nightmares of 9-11. And I remember praying, and I'm leading in prayer, and as I'm praying corporately, meaning I'm, I'm talking to people, um, you know, and I'm, I'm doing it um, through media channels and on a conference line, the Lord is speaking to me, and it's almost like an out-of-body experience. And he says to me as I'm trying to pray, Nicole, your dreams don't impress me. Don't you know who I am? And I'm sitting there like, God, really? Like, I... Like, what do you say when God says that your dreams are not impressing him? I'm like, I'm thinking I'm trying to walk and do what it is that he's telling me to do. And so that's where Dare to Dream was originally birthed. And just following his pathway in that in that umbrella allowed me to go across the country and just encourage people to dare to dream, to go past, push past, really reflect upon what it is that they've gone through, the traumatic moments or milestones in their lives that altered the courses of their life. And so, you know, recognizing who may have contributed to them or, or what have you, like when did your dreams get shattered? Or I think that there's a, um, well, I know that there's a chapter that says dream killers and doing that, that hard work of reflection. And so having started that in 2007, 2008, the Lord really began to bring me out so that when I finally put it in um, book form in 2010, 
I was being aspirational or optimistic of what it is that I wanted out of my life, recognizing that the principles that God had given to me, that I was going to live them out. Fast forward to why I re-released it 2020 is because I saw what God did for me. And so when we hit this age of COVID-19 and the entire world was sat down, the Lord said, now show them what it is that I walked you through so that they can know that I am God. And so that's exactly how I was able to uh, to write it because now I'm not writing from an aspirational perspective. I'm saying I saw the handiwork of God in my own life, and I know things may look bleak right now with COVID-19. I know you may feel financially full of despair. I know food may not be a challenge having in your life now, and even with racial tensions being at an all-time high and families not knowing how it is that they're going to survive, I still want you to have the hope in knowing of who it is that I am. I don't want you to lose your dreams. I want you to push past all of this that is before you and pursue your destiny because I do indeed have a plan for you. So that book that you have, it really outlines the hard work, how I wrote it in conversation style, Tony, so that you feel like you and I are having dialogue as we're conversing. And then it also gives you strategies and steps of what it is to do. And all I did was take what I know God told me to do to help me climb out of whatever, you know, place of lack that I was in my life and had me move forward to go forth and say, this is what we need to do. And so um, one perfect example uh, in that regard is that um, just going through school in seminary, they taught us, um, you know, to 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 really uh, begin to to write thoughts, and it's it, it's a strategy called free base writing. You know, what is it? Because people are oftentimes saying, I don't know where God has me. I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to do. And so, you know, I, I, I go through the steps of free base writing and see what rises up for you, timing yourself and just writing randomly and just doing that. And so you get those types of strategies in the book so that it begins to more clearly define for you why are you here? What is your purpose in this world? What is it that, um, what skill sets and gifts do you have that you can offer back to the world? What's your reasonable service to society at large? Hmm. Now, you know, um, I'm, I have your book, and I want people to go to your website, and it's NicoleBSimpson.com. You can purchase the book there. It's $15. I really hope that you do. It's 10 As it's I'm 10. looking at this book, I'm sorry? It's 10 It's $10? Yes, it is. Okay. Better yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I tell you, folks, if you get the book and you don't like it, because I, I do this with books that I received that I've checked out personally, Email me at info at toughtalkradionetwork.com, and I'll give you the, the $10 back. But what, what I like about this book is, and what my thought is, I'm going to speak to my wife about this. This is a great uh, small group book, a Bible study type book, um, just a book that you can do with your Bible study. Because what is it that God wants us to do? What is our gift? Uh, I would say nine out of eight people don't know. Okay? And and myself included, because what is it that we're supposed to do? And, and, and sometimes we figure it out, but that's not what we want to do. So we won't claim it. So we, we let it go and it keeps coming back and eventually we're going to figure it out. You know what I mean? But the, the thing of it is this book, uh, I was just where I, I had this page where it says back to bases, basics. And then mm-hmm. uh, it, there was a quote in there that says, if we, if we couldn't dream, we wouldn't mean anything anymore by George George Kaiser. Now, you think about that. That's deep. I mean, because mm-hmm. really, we dream all the time. Mm-hmm. And and so one of there's there's workbooks, there's work pages in here where it says, what song helps you to clear your mind? Right, right, right. And like, so a lot of people go, ah, and I'm talking about myself. Well, I have all these books that people send me. And there's places to write in. I think I'm afraid to journal because I'll get more out of it than I want to. But um, it's important to do that. And this book gives you that opportunity. So 
Um, you've brought this book back out, but here's my question is, uh, when are you going to write your next book? And is it going to be about you? So this is baby number seven. So okay. this dream is baby number seven. If I ever had to say that there is a book about me, I think there's a little bit of me in all of my books. But um, the book that I released, um, which is actually $15, is Listen and Learn How God Speaks to You. Um, and I, I think uh, that book embodies me. And it was important for me to write it um, during my 40-year anniversary of my walk with the Lord. Although I had never really promoted it, it was important for me to write it. And I, um, and I wrote it. And I sort of just, you know, put it out there so that I could walk in obedience. But I think that embodies me because uh, it it shapes it it allows it allows people to know who it is that I am and how I was able to go from all of the areas of trauma in my life and um, still be who God purposed for me to be. And it's only in relationship with God that I'm capable of, you know, having this blessed, fruitful, you know, impactful life. And so uh, hopefully that is it and everything else that comes from uh, from that, if he should allow me to see, you know, 40 more years with him. Because <laughs> I met the Lord when I was seven, everyone, just so you guys know. <laughs> so uh, if, if I've, I'm privileged to do that, then so be it. You know, I will look. But I do have a new one. Um, that will be coming out in October as well. But it's more about, um, you know, um, cultural economics, black economics. You know, how how can we, you know, um, you know, improve our economic infrastructure as a culture and a community? And that's what I did my honors thesis on in um, when I was pursuing my master's. So um, that that you know is probably the next step for me. But I think what has been what defines me shows up very heavily in Listen and Learn How God Speaks to You. you know, And every other one has a little piece of my identity in it. Well, I'm going to have to get it. And people can yes. go to your website, purchase all these books. And the web- website is NicoleBSimpson.com. Now, uh, Dr. Simpson, uh, we're, we're out of time here. And I hoped, I surely hoped, and when the new book is released that you'll come back and let us help you promote it. Um, but one of the things that I try to get from all my guests is I need a piece of advice that you could offer our listeners moving forward, being someone who has dared to dream, has been in the World Trade Center during the process, has lived through what you've lived through and, and, and having skin color that is going through the news like crazy right now. Can you give us a piece of advice for our listeners that might be helpful? Yes. Um, I want everyone to really sit down and reflect on this question that I ask individuals. If money were not an issue, what would be your life purpose? In other words, what would you do with your life? If money could be set aside and that's not your initial thought of how am I going to exist, what is it that you would do with your life, that nagging thought that will not leave you? I believe your purpose is wrapped up in there. And even if we have to work rigorously in order to sustain, making sure you infuse that purpose in your life will allow you to have a more fruitful, blessed and uh, promise of hope in your life. So if you can define that, and it may take you some time, be okay with it. It may take you some time, but if money were not an issue, what would be your life purpose? What would you do? You'll find there's a level of contentment and peace and joy in that place right there. Make sure that it stays with you for the rest of your life. Mm. You know, I got to tell you, I had a friend of mine over for dinner last night, and that conversation came up. She also does radio shows, and uh, we were chit-chatting. And that, if money was not an issue, what would you do? And I'm like, 
you know, of course, first thing I had was a smart out answer, but the truth is it is something that you have to sit down and think about. And I think if people would take the time out to think about that, it could change their thinking process a little bit because they could slow down a second because it takes some slow seconds to figure that out. It's not an easy question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So great question. And we're going to put that up on social media as well, along with everything else. And uh, Reverend Dr. Nicole B. Simpson, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate you for taking time out today with us. I hope you come back in October when the book's released and let us help promote that as well. And I hope you have a blessed week. Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate you. I appreciate um, your audience. God bless you all. I'm praying for you. Thank you. Folks, uh, we ran a little long today, and I'm going to tell you it was well worth it. I hope that you'll go online and, uh, to NicoleBSimpson.com. Buy the book off the website. Uh, it's, it's easier for the author that way. Dare to Dream. Uh, there's a couple other books you can get as well. Uh, I just hope that you'll take time out today. To think about this, reflect on this, as Dr. Simpson asked, if money was not an issue, what would you do? I hope everyone has a blessed week, and we'll see you next week, Wednesday, 1130 Central Standard Time, here on the Tough Talk Radio Network. You have been listening to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone, brought to you by the Tough Talk Radio Network. A special thanks to all of our sponsors. If you'd like to be a sponsor or a guest, please visit toughtalkradionetwork.com for more information. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.